thank you all for joining us this morning. Our time is limited this morning, so we'd like to try to get started if we can. I think that clock is maybe about five minutes different from our synchronized time, but we'll try to keep within the time frame this morning. To start our forum, uh, I'd like to ask Eckhart to offer a prayer before we begin. Thanks, Paul. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, Lord God Almighty, thy word teaches us to pray that thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom will come and thy will be, will be done, O Lord, for thou art the Almighty God that brings things to pass that he has said. And it is our plea, humbly, O Lord, that we may be part of it, that we may, O Lord, do the part that has been given to us. For there is much work to be done for everyone, and no one can sit idle, for the consequences thereof are terrible. Do the look in favor upon us, O Lord, and grant our vision, grant our direction, encouragement, so that everyone may leave this place, O Lord, being encouraged and knowing, O Lord, what his part to do is, O Lord, by thy grace, with thy help, to the furtherance of thy kingdom. This we humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us to this forum on uh, finding your personal ministry as a, as a woman in the church. I neglected this morning in introducing our forum to introduce our, mention our panel members, so I'll start with that right away. We have Bethany Assurance who will start off. I've tried to have someone from every phase of life on the panel so that nobody is exempt from having a ministry at any age and any time in your life. So Bethany will speak from a single person's point of view, uh, Stephanie from a newly married person's point of view, uh, and I'll let them share what their ministry uh, will be about uh, once they get started. And then Carol will speak from a person who works part-time but also looks after a home, and Herda, who is a full-time person working outside of her home can also have a ministry and then I'm at the tail end of the thing and I'll try to coordinate everything uh, as to what they're going to say we'll each speak first if you have a question can you just jot it down and keep it till the end and we'll try to to incorporate your questions and answers at the end if we can so we'll have presentations first I'll just introduce our form quickly and then we'll hand it over to the panel members and they'll each speak about how they found their ministries and what they're involved in just going to put up an overhead here that kind of gives you an outline of the of the form. First of all, we want to talk about what is the ministry, why should we have a ministry, who can minister, to whom should we minister, how we become involved in ministry, when and where should we minister, and what does a personal ministry involve. So first of all, I think like usual before you start into a topic, you want to define some of the parameters within your speaking. So I looked in the dictionary to find out what it really means to minister. And it really means to carry out a purpose, to attend, to wants or needs, to act as a servant or nurse, to be of service, to be helpful, to give aid, to contribute. Something that everybody can do, right? It's not a hard task to do, but it's the matter of the way we approach it. Okay, why should we have a ministry? Well, first of all, if we want to be Christ-like and follow an example, it doesn't matter whether we're male or female. We want to follow his example and do as he said in Mark 10:45. For even Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. So we want to use the talents that God gave us for his honor and glory. Uh, we see needs that are not being met. 
We have a servant heart and want to serve others. And I'm really thankful that my parents instilled that. And I think it is something that we as parents need to instill in our children, that we need to instill a servant heart in them. And it's not in mode or in fashion today to, be, to have a servant heart. But it, it really thrilled my heart the other day when in our home church I heard a 16-year-old, we were working in the kitchen because we provide lunch every Sunday, and she said, you know, it makes me feel so good to be used and to be doing things for others. That really did my heart good because you don't often hear that today. And we want to receive the blessings and rewards. We all know about the book of works, right? And so this is, what we, this is my aim. I want to have a number of things recorded in there for myself that when I stand before God that I will be able to say, Lord, I, I did work in your vineyard and I did what I could to the best of my ability. Who can minister? We already mentioned that. It's not exclusive to a few gifted people. Anyone can minister. Those who are willing to be used of the Lord... To whom should we minister? Well, first of all, your family is number one. I think that's, those are the people that surround you every day. That's where you can be of the most assistance. And then there's a verse that always uh, hits me when I read it in the Bible, and it, 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 it really speaks to me. It says, it deals with the brethren in the church, Galatians 6.10. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And this is the part that really I think we need to pay attention to, especially unto them of the household of faith. And sometimes it's hard to do it for those in the church because maybe you're not close by. Maybe they just don't want help. But that's our obligation. It says that in the Word of God. And people you see regularly, these are people you can minister to, friends and neighbors, even strangers. And I I have this on the overhead. I'll just put that up. How do we become involved in ministry? That's always a big question for people. Well, how do I? what do I do? How do I get started? Where do I go? And first of all, I think... If you want the blessings in the right way, it has to come from a conviction from God. God is the one who puts those seeds in your hearts and said, this is something you can do. This, this is, there's a need here. Or if you see a need, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be just a small thing, such as tidying up after everybody leaves church. I don't know how your church is, but I know ours. Everybody goes out the door very quickly, and there's a lot of things that, that need to be put away when, they're, when everyone's gone. Through an interest, if you have a special interest, that can be developed into a ministry of some sort and by putting a God-given talent to use. When and where should we minister? Whenever the Lord gives us an opportunity, as we, do, as we go about our daily chores and in our everyday lives. You can set aside a certain day, but I find that in your everyday walk of life, whatever you're doing, there's a myriad of ways that you can be used in some sort of ministry. When we feel led of the Lord, as we said, in our own backyard as well as in our home church, wherever the Lord would send us, and just recently, someone in our, in, a, in our fellowship said he'd been pondering on what's the will of God for him or how will he find out what God's will is in his life. Then he said he started to think about it. Well, first of all, I have to know what God's will is, and that we find out in the Bible. And then I have to fit myself into God's will, not looking for some big task or something special that he wants me to do, but I fit into what I know is God's will. What does a personal ministry involve? First of all, prayer. If you want to be effective, I think that's number one. Time, you're going to need that. Sometimes it might involve money. And you have to be prepared if if that happens. Physical work. Empathy and understanding of situations. Being available. Making connections for people. It might even involve some research. You might have to find some things out, depending. And um, 
there, there's a saying here by Calvin Coolidge that I'd like to just finish with before I pass it over to, to the, the panel members. It says, no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. And that's so true. And another thing I just wanted to say to you before we start, even in hearing what they have to say, when I was working professionally and went to a number of different conferences, we were always told that you come back with all kinds of ideas from a conference and, oh, that was great. But then it gets shelved in the filing cabinet and somehow that never gets to the stage where it's put into practice. So we were always told if you go to a conference, choose one or two things, not more than that, that you take away from that meeting and start to implement it as soon as you get home. And I I found that worked because when I went back to the classroom on Monday morning and I took one of those ideas that I had from that conference and I put it into effect that week, then it became my idea and I began to use it. So if you could do the same thing this morning, pick out one or two things, or maybe you already have something that's on the back burner, but when you go home, put it into effect that first week because I guarantee if you don't do it that first week, it'll get shelved. So that's just a little tip, a reminder. We'll start with Bethany now, and she's going to share her personal experiences and her ministry. Hello. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Bethany Schrantz from Medina, Ohio. And I thought I'd give you a little bit of my background for those of you who might not know already. I grew up in a Christian home. I dedicated my life to the Lord at a young age. And as long as I can remember, I've always had a desire to serve the Lord and do his will. And as I began to grow in him and I was a teenager, I was discovering what things I was good at, what my interests were, what I was passionate about. And it kind of solidified throughout my teenage years and college that some of my main focuses were in, in music, in working with children, and in foreign languages and cultures. And as a child, I can remember missionaries coming to our church or to camp or wherever, and I was, I was interested in what they were doing. And specifically, CLM just seemed to grip my heart because I thought of those children and not having a safe, loving environment, which I felt I had had as a child, that I just couldn't imagine growing up without having a family and knowing that someone cared about you. And so I, my heart just went out to them. So I went to college to, um, well, before I went to college, I was able to go to CLM for one month. And that really solidified my interest in going back there on a longer-term basis. So I went to college and studied what I thought would be helpful in returning long-term. And while I was at college, one of the missionaries at CLM contacted me and said, would you be interested in coordinating the program that we have called Operation Prayer, where people from the States and Canada write letters to the kids at CLM? And since I was already interested in the kids at CLM and I knew them personally, I quickly agreed. And so since then, I've been the Operation Prayer Coordinator. After college, I spent eight months at CLM. And before I did that, Mary Gibson, the director, asked me to take a course with the National Institute for Learning Disabilities to help the kids down at CLM because they were having a lot of difficulties in school, some of them, and the missionaries weren't going to be able to come up and take the course. So I did that the summer before I went down and worked with the kids down there doing therapy in Portuguese, and I was also active in the music in the church there. And then the training that I had with NILD, the National Institute for Learning Disabilities, became what is my job and 
pretty much a full-time ministry because of the type of work that I'm doing. And in, in, gave me a job when I came back. So I'm currently working with kids with learning disabilities in a private school, and I'm the operation prayer coordinator. I'm involved in music at school and in my church and active in the youth group where I'm the missionary coordinator for this year. Um, my long-term vision is to have the NILD program completely translated into Portuguese, specifically for CLM to be able to have a program there, and also at Green Olive Tree Ministry, Sister Debbie has talked to me about that possibility. What I do as Operation Prayer Coordinator, I'm in charge of recruiting people to write to the kids at CLM. So mostly that happens at camps and at ICFG retreats. And sometimes I send things out in the messenger or in the newsletter. Some of you may have seen my messages in the messenger recently. Um, the three parts of the program are people can write to them, be a prayer pal to a child at CLM, you can be a financial sponsor, commit to send a certain amount of money, or you can be an email prayer warrior. Mary Gibson sends a prayer letter out weekly, and you can pray for the concerns that are going on at CLM. I also need to keep the prayer pals reasonably informed of the child's status, if they're still at CLM, if they've left for some reason, if major events have happened. For those who are receiving the weekly emails, that makes my job much easier because I don't have to take that time to notify them when changes occur. Um, I send out recommitment letters every year. So every year, everybody who's writing to someone at CLM receives a letter saying, do you want to continue this for another year? And if I don't hear from them again, I take them off the list so we know who's really committed to it. And that is a lot of time commitment at one time during the year when I do all that. Um, I keep the album updated with photos and histories of the children. The album's here if you want to look at it afterwards. And keeping the histories up to date in here can be kind of time consuming because I go through the letters that Mary has written and update the information on each child. And there are about 40 kids. So whenever I can find time to do that, I'm glad to have the time because it takes a while. I have to communicate with the missionaries about the children and about the people who are writing to them. And email is very effective in doing that. Before that, it was kind of difficult to keep that communication going. And kind of as going along with what I do with Operation Prayer Coordinator, since I'm already connected to CLM in a way, I end up representing CLM at camps or whenever missionaries are absent, as I will be doing on Thursday at the Missionary Forum. Um, as I mentioned, there's quite a bit of time commitment involved, especially at certain times of the year. And financially, I um, pay for the photos, the copies of the photos that the prayer pals get. Um, with digital photos that they've been sending from CLM, I've been printing them on my computer, so it's not as difficult to do with having to get reprints of things as it used to be. Um, and there's a cost of postage. Um, which has been reduced as more people have email and I'm able to communicate with them that way. And just paper and envelopes, the binder, note cards, just office-type supplies that are used for what I do. Some of the blessings and benefits of what I do, um, when I was down there, it was really exciting to see how excited the kids were when they got a letter. And now that I'm up here again, some of the people who are writing to the kids are so excited that they're able to have a ministry in this way. And they call me on the phone and tell me how happy they are and how 
God is working in the relationship they're having with this kid they're writing to. And also, some people who start writing to a child then are motivated to visit CLM and get involved in working with them that way. Some of my recommendations for those of you who want to be involved in a ministry and don't know exactly what, um, think about what is it that you're passionate about. What just really grips you and do that. Or what do other people tell you that you're good at, that they're blessed by, and do that. For example, like I told you already about CLM, that was something that I was passionate about and that God got me into that way. Um, Playing flute with singing in church, that was something that I got into because other people said, why don't you do that? And once I started, they told me what a blessing it was, and I didn't even feel like I was doing that well or that it really sounded that good to me, but the Lord was using it to bless people, so I continued to do it. Um, To all of you young ladies out there who aren't married, make good use of the time that God has given you to be able to focus exclusively on him and what he wants you to do. Like Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 7, 32-35, how people who are single can focus on what the Lord wants them to do, not on all the concerns of a family and a spouse. Not that those are bad things, but that it's a privilege to be able to focus all your time on the Lord. If you tend to be a person who sees a lot of needs, or you're in a small church and there's a lot to be done and few people to do it, be careful of getting burned out and losing focus of, of the Lord and why you're doing what you're doing, because I've done that before. <laughs> um, and also, if you've been involved in ministry for a long time, take time to think back to why you started, how God got you into it, and, and go back to that first enthusiasm you had. Just keep praying about what God wants you to do. Read his word. Seek his will for your ministry. Listen to his spirit. If God says, look at that person over there sitting by themselves, go talk with them. You might not think that's that significant, but to that person it can mean a whole lot, and that is a ministry. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of ways that people have ministered to me recently. I've been having the privilege of making a friendship with someone who's about 20 years older than I am, and in that relationship she's able to share from her past experience, how the Lord has worked in her life and give me guidance and confidence about what I'm going through in my life. And that kind of a mentorship is really encouraging to me. And also we have a biblical mandate for that in Titus 2, where the older women are to train the younger women. And I think that this has been something that has maybe been lacking in our churches. And I would really encourage you young people to seek out someone older to build that kind of a relationship with and someone who's older to seek out someone younger just to build those friendships and relationships. I've also been able to have a growing relationship with a friend, a sister, um, by way of email that we've been sharing prayer requests and sometimes we give each other a list of prayer requests and pray for each other for a week and it's just really encouraging to have someone there and whenever you need someone to pray for you that they'll do that also this past February I received a card in the mail and I don't know who it's from a few other young sisters in the church received it also and so we haven't asked anybody if they sent it or what but it was a Valentine's Day card as if it were from Jesus and it says you're in my thoughts today and in my heart always happy Valentine's Day 
Jesus. And it says over here a lot of other things as if it were from his perspective. And it was really encouraging for us as single young ladies to think about how much Jesus loves us and that that's all we need right now. Um, so if anybody wants to look at this afterwards, also you can. And that's why I have. As you can see, it doesn't matter the age and it doesn't matter what your status in life is. There's always things to do. And it doesn't even have to be as elaborate as, as Bethany's experience in working with the CLM. I've put a little visual up here. And as, as people are going through their, their, their presentations here, think about this. This is about 28 different things that we brainstormed and came up with things. And this card ministry that she's talking about is one that anybody can do. And uh, I recently read a book by um, Elizabeth Elliott about... Um, um, Amy, that, thank you, Amy Carmichael, how she started this orphanage in India all by herself. And as she was bedridden towards the end of her life and couldn't get up and do the things that she was doing, she used to, from her bed and her pain, write little love notes, she called them, to her, uh, to her orphans in her orphanage. And that really hit me. And I started to do it. And you know, I've received so many blessings. I just relate, I'll just relate this little one before I go on to the next person. I had sent a card to an older couple in, in, in a church where, not my home church, but another church. When I went to visit that church, that man saw me, and he came up to me, and he just couldn't say enough how that card, he said, it's on a special place in my house. He said, nobody's done that for me before. And that was a real blessing to me, that just a five-minute card that I sat down and wrote to someone really uplifted them and, and helped them. And it doesn't matter what status in life we are or where we are. We can all do those kinds of things. We'll mention a few of these other ones as we go, but I want to make sure I give enough time to the panel. So Stephanie will tell you now about her music ministry. Um, just to give you a little background, um, I'm from Windsor, and um, I've been involved in music there since a little before I was um, baptized in 96, but um, my music background started when I was three, and that's not of my doing. My, my parents, my mom had this dream of uh, musical children, so <laughs> we got into lessons right away, um, and through her diligence and patience, and um, I'll, she had to put up with her crying and banging, I don't want to practice, <laughs> but through her perseverance, um, Music became a very big part of my life, and that is what I, um, that's my profession now. I studied that in university, and um, I teach private lessons in my home. And so, even as a young teenager, um, starting in C of G, I remember the older sisters encouraging me to start playing in C of G and for special numbers. And, um, and then, you know, as I was, after I was baptized, it, um, and my level had, of playing had increased um, right away. I got involved in our church choirs, and Windsor has very uh, a large number of choirs. We have um, a youth choir, an adult choir, um, junior choir, men's choir, and seasonal choirs, if I can call them that, and a new ladies ensemble, which I'll touch on after. Um, and so at one time or another, I, I guess I've been involved in all of those, or several at a time, or... Um, and so I'll just talk about a couple of them. Um, our junior choir, which is for children approximately ages 6 to 12, I would say, um, I had nothing to do with starting. I was in it when I was 8 or 9. Um, a couple sisters from our church saw the need and 
you know, kids were coming to afternoon services, either running around outside or just staying home because there was nothing for the, you know, it's hard for a eight-year-old to sit in services sometimes. So they decided, you know, music is such a large part of our church and our heritage, and why not um, help the, the young people develop um, their singing and um, their love of coming to church through this. And so they started our junior choir, and every afternoon we would practice and, you know, have little programs. And so in the last couple of years, myself and a few other younger sisters have become involved and are continuing this um, tradition in our church of helping the children learn to sing. And um, we do have, they memorize all their songs. And I know um, this past May, our choir traveled to Richmond, Virginia. And on the way, I remember singing all the old junior choir songs we learned when we were nine or ten and just the joy that it brought for us. And we still remember those songs. And, you know, so that's something we're trying to pass on to the, the kids Still, so that's not something I started, but it's something that we're trying to continue. And in our, we've had a youth choir at our church, which is for ages, I guess, 13 to, okay, 30. <laughs> we're still in it. Um, and we, that was the growing process over the years, and um, we were noticing because we have, have a men's choir and a very enthusiastic um, guys group that were practicing outside of any choirs. They were working on their singing and trying to develop. And the excuse me, the, the ladies' side was saying, "Well, we don't know what all these notes mean, and we would like to try to, you know, improve our singing." And so several of them approached me and said, "Can we start a ladies' group?" and so a few months ago, we just decided, you know, on a, a more casual um, basis. I mean, we don't have really a, we're not a choir, we don't have a director. We just, we're a ladies ensemble that wants to praise God to learn to sing a little better. And um, I guess I had the, the university training, so I was kind of appointed the, kind of the, I'm not the director, but... I kind of lead our, because I play piano, so I kind of guide our practices. So right now it's pretty informal, but I see the enthusiasm in the young girls. Um, they want to praise God and they want to learn and they want to use their talent. And so if I can help in any small way, you know, I'm excited to see their passion and, and try to pass that on because they're going to be the ones that are going to carry on. And... Um, as I mentioned, we're a large church, and yet in the last few years, we've really had a lack in um, one area, which is piano playing. And so, as I said, at one time I was playing for three choirs, which was kind of tough, <laughs> a lot of practicing. And then even just as a young married person, you know, there's lots of um, things to do, none of time. And so my encouragement is, and what I'm trying to do, which I'll talk about after in my through my teaching is encourage the the children and more importantly the parents to you know if their children are interested and are you see that talent in them you know to really encourage them I I remember crying and <laughs> my brother and I hated practicing and it's a chore but when you get over that I don't know that age the 12 13 14 when we got past that stage and then we started to love it and enjoy it and um, it's just so easy to quit and stop and 
you know, so I would just encourage everyone to, um, if that's something they love doing, and encourage your children to keep keep on. Um, we could use help. <laughs> A couple more things, and I'll stop. We we also um, something we did this spring was had a small part in was a conducting workshop. Um, a couple of the brothers organized it and I just did some of the technical music stuff that they wanted me to explain but it was something we put together for brothers and sisters who were you know the brothers who would be doing choirs for sisters who were interested in junior choir and even for some of the younger kids they came because they just wanted to learn of a little more of what they were looking at it, the music, who had maybe never had private lessons or any music instruction. So we put together a workshop to encourage um, and help in this process, you know, to learn how to conduct, to learn um, how to read the music better. And so that was something um, we'll still be doing a couple sessions in the next few months. But that was something that... Um, the young brothers, first of all, expressed an interest. You know, I have, a, I have a desire to do this, but I have no idea how to conduct. I don't know how to wait, you know, what to do with my arms up there. And so that was something that um, is still new and we're still working on, but that's one other thing we've been working on this spring. And as I said, I'm a private teacher. I teach violin and piano, and violin was my first instrument. Piano was something I did after. Um, so I'm not as comfortable doing that, but um, I do have several uh, students right now that do come that are from church, young young kids from church, and I think it's exciting. Um, not because I can teach them something great, but uh, they have a desire, and I'm trying. What I what I'm doing now um, is bringing them together to play. As they're learning their instruments and getting more proficient, um, they love playing together. They think it's so exciting. That's, I'm trying to facilitate some of that groups. And even just this past Easter, um, we had a little um, string quartet. The girls that just started about a year ago, they were so excited. They wanted to do something and do a special number. And so if I can facilitate those things, um, you know, I'm happy to do that. And I'm excited to see them interested in praising God and using their new talent in that way. So, um, and one that Sister Margaret mentioned yesterday, which I never thought of as being anything, because um, one of the songs in the adult choir says arranged by me. And sometimes we get um, things that the directors want to sing or do, and there's no music. And so I get the CD and they're like, you write it out for us. I never thought of that as being any big deal, arranging music, but I guess not everyone can do that. So that's something I've been doing, and we keep those on files so that in, in the future they can be used and sung. And So those are the, some of the little things that we're working on in Windsor. Thank you, Stephanie. Not all of us have such a God-given talent, I must say. <laughs> and I don't think God is expecting us to do those kinds of things. There are so many... Uh, 
simple little things that we can do. And, but we're very thankful that we have those God-given talents in other people and that they're willing to use them. It's so important. So if you have something that is there that is a God-given talent, uh, don't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm pushing myself into the limelight. It's something that God can use in a way just like Stephanie has been used. Um, I just have to share this little incident with you. Recently, someone said to me, I can't imagine if God had created you a man because he saw how busy I was in doing other things. And I wasn't smart enough at that moment to say, well, you know what? I never let being a woman stop me from doing what I thought was necessary. And it's true. And if we have that attitude, women, we're not always, we don't always have to be in the kitchen. I don't think God expected that of us. Yes, there are kitchen duties and there are things that we can do in the church and that needs to be done. But God gave us much more. And I think... He doesn't expect us to hide behind the men, and when it comes our turn to give account for what we did, to say, well, I helped my husband, or I helped this person, or I helped that person. He gives us talents and things that we need to use in, in the way that he's given us. So we're going to hear from Carol. She's got a lot of talents, too, that she's put to use over the years. Um, about a year and a half ago, Nelda Duraco approached me at church, and she said she had this real burden that she wanted to um, get our church involved in doing a soup kitchen. Would I be interested in helping her with that? And I thought it would sound like a great idea. So she um, went and looked at some, some of the different agencies, contacted them, found one that she thought would be um, best suited for our church and what we can do. And um, they were having their annual business meeting coming up shortly, so she and I went to the first meeting there. And it was mostly these senior citizens. We were the youngest ones there. They referred to us as the girls, <laughs> and uh, we loved it. And uh, it was called the Concerned Christian Coalition, made up of uh, about a dozen different churches, and each one volunteers to provide a soup kitchen one Tuesday, um, each Tuesday. And so it's a 12-week rotation. And there's a church in downtown Barberton that's right in the center of the town that's easily accessible to the, the people that live there. They can walk right to it. That church has donated its, its facilities that we can use that. And so we checked it out. We went to um, one of the other churches was having it, and we asked, can we come and see what it's like? So she and I went and observed, wrote down all these notes, and then we approached our church about it. Would we, could, could we do this together? And we put up a sign-up sheet. Um, we need at least nine people to help, a minimum of nine people. And um, what we have to do is we have to bring all the food ourselves. Um, the Concerned Christian Coalition provides the milk and coffee. That's all taken care of. There's a local bakery that would provide donuts. And so we pick those up. All the rest of the food we have to take there, and we have to prepare it on grounds according to health code standards or whatever. So we um, came up with a menu. We wanted something that was very filling. We wanted them to be full, and um, we wanted it to be healthy. So we came up with this pasta dish, and um, we could put lots of pasta, and, and we have um, a good, bro good bread, and um, we wanted a, a salad with lots of fresh veggies in it. And we always want fresh fruit. We figured many of these people can't afford fresh fruit, so we wanted it to be a kind of a very well-balanced big hearty meal so um, we got our sign-up sheet and we had no problems with people signing up and they were enthused about it and uh, we've done it seven times now and people look forward to it in our church it has been a real blessing they even approach us you know when's it's our, when is it going to be our turn I've been watching the bulletin board 
And uh, we never had the same group twice. There are some people that come every time, and there are some that have to coordinate their work schedules. And so it's not the same group, but we like to have a few that are regulars that know what to do and teach the rest of them. We've got it down to a science. We know exactly what to buy, how much to buy, when we have to have it in the oven. It's very simple now. There's very little preparation ahead of time. Uh, Nelda and I kind of break up the list. We know it, what to get. I watch for the meat when it's on sale. I put it in my freezer. I have it ready. And I get pasta at 50 cents a box. You know, it's cheap. We've even had people that have come up to us in church that um, wanted to be involved but can't. They're too old or um, they said, but we want to donate money. So now we even have a soup kitchen fund that um, what was used to be donated is now all um, we submit our sales slips to our treasurers and it's all reimbursed through our soup kitchen fund. But it has been an extremely bonding thing for our church. It covers all ages. We can have anyone come. And we had it two weeks ago, so Nelda made an announcement, this is a great time for mothers to bring kids. They're out of school, and um, we usually serve between 4.30 and 5.30, so it was very hard for mothers to, to be able to participate with young children because they were home and the kids were getting home from school. So this was a great one that we could have kids, and we did have a huge group. We were tripping over each other, and we had to set up a, a meal assembly line that I would pass the plate to someone who would pass the plate to someone who would give it to the lady to put the, the pasta on it. And, but the kids had a great time. We had an age range from 4 to about 74. And we have to have men there, too. They're, they required that we have at least two men to guard the doors so that no one goes into the sanctuary, and we've agreed to do that. And it's been wonderful. We really enjoy it. Um, it has also been a time when we can mentor the younger people on how to have a servant heart, how to um, work together, how to prepare food, and how to function in a kitchen together. Usually it's the same women that you know are always in the kitchen. Well, we're teaching now the younger ones. Okay, you wash the salad, and you cut up the carrots, and, and you arrange the donuts on the tray. We have jobs for all of them. And um, I admit there's probably not a single person who comes to that soup kitchen that knows the name of our church. We are not allowed to promote our church. We can't promote Christianity. We can't have a prayer with the people. We've had some of the kids even sing some songs. We cannot promote our church. So nobody knows our name. We are actually known as the lasagna people. <laughs> that um, the custodian of the church told us this last time that the community people will come up to him on a Tuesday and say, who's cooking today? And so he tells them it's the lasagna people. And they love it. They, they, um, <laughs> they all come and... We're honored to be the lasagna people. Um, and we had such a heartwarming experience uh, two weeks ago. We had little Morgan Seppi, who's probably about nine years old or so. She was on our work crew, too. And um, the church was hosting a VBS that night. And we served till 5.30, and they were starting their VBS at 6 o'clock, so they were very anxious for us to clean up and get out of there. And one of the little girls who came to the soup kitchen talked to Morgan, and she said, do you think that I could go to VBS tonight? And Morgan's like, sure, I'm sure you could come. And she said, well, do you think they'll mind if I don't have any shoes? And Morgan said, you can have mine. And she had little flip-flops on, so it wasn't, you know, that it had to be the right size. But that is, you know, teaching and that servant heart that 
um, it's just beautiful to see how that's growing and has been a real blessing to our church. Um, another example of a ministry I have is five years ago, Norton Church decided to create a new position of a missionary chairperson. So I got the first three-year term, and um, they gave me a job description that they wanted to accomplish to increase the missionary awareness, organize projects, fundraisers, and to organize a short-term mission trip, mission teams, which is one thing I never really accomplished. That was like bigger than I was. I didn't know how to go about coordinating all that. But um, what I did was I asked for some volunteers to help me, and I got a, a good crew of people that would assist me on this. And uh, we selected like four missionaries that we wanted to work with over that three years. And mostly the ones that we chose were people that were missionaries that were related to us, some in, in our church, the Path Coves, and, and that uh, we had had some correspondence with. And I wrote to all of them, told them what we were doing, and that we wanted to know what their needs were. And um, set up a missionary bulletin board. I put one person in charge of that to keep the current pictures and whatever letters we had. And um, then we planned special projects, missionary projects throughout the year. I would always try to coordinate one with Vacation Bible School, that we would have a missionary project. One year it was buy a bench for the church in Paraguay, that we figured out um, how many benches they needed, how much it would cost a bench, and how many, um, let's, okay, kids, how many can we buy? And um, the kids really responded great, and we ended up buying all 34 of them. They were thrilled. We also had um, um, Mother's Day in Paraguay that Karen um, Cabarello came and talked to our church and was talking about how many mothers come to her door asking for help with um, needing food supplies and baby supplies. So we set up a box in our church, um, and I set up a list of things that were needed, and we, we collected for them. We had yard sales. Um, and also in Norton, we always have lunch in church. It's usually something very simple, sandwiches or whatever. So I thought, well, why don't we utilize that opportunity? Okay, it's my turn to have lunch in church. If I make it a, a little bit more special, would people pay for it? So we had, we had fundraisers. I made spaghetti once. And and had people bring in desserts and then pay to eat them, you know, that <laughs> it worked out great. We made $1,500, and, and people love smelling some hot um, lunch. It's much more exciting, and, and it worked out well. We had ice cream fundraisers, and we even did local projects. That On the radio, I heard that they were having a hope totes for the Haven of Rest projects, that um, we have a, a local shelter and they wanted to provide um, for Easter for all the people that would come to this homeless shelter, hope tote with um, toiletries in it and different things for the people. And so we got some of those hope totes and made a list of what's needed, and people took them home and filled them up and brought them in. We also did refugee kits for Yugoslavia with the Mennonite Central Committee and got a list from them of what they needed to send these refugee kits. And I put up a big sign-up sheet, who's willing to bring shampoo and someone signed up for 15 bottles of shampoo and and dry um, laundry detergent and towels and and so then we had the youth group pack all this stuff together okay someone puts five cups of the powder in um, a double ziploc bag and 
and they made a big assembly line and we got the buckets from the Mennonite committee and made these buckets and then delivered them. Um, and over the course of the three years, we also, I heard through the grapevine, through the um, missionary newsletter, through emails that missionaries would be coming into the states. I would um, correspond with them and we had at least 10 that I could come up with, 10 different missionary presentations um, coming to our church. And since we're in the Akron area with lots of local surrounding churches, I would contact all of them and, and coordinate that we could have one missionary um, presentation for all these churches. And my last um, ministry that I want to talk about um, is a prayer ministry. Last October, um, Lily Sherrance and I were just talking on the phone and, and mentioning different concerns we had, and um, we just talked that it would be nice that we could pray together. And so we made it a commitment that the two of us would meet every week to pray. And I want you to know that I think that's my, the greatest thing that I do every week, my biggest responsibility, um, the greatest good. And it hasn't been easy. There are times when we'll call each other, you know, I'm really busy this week, but we carve out some time somewhere that we get together, just the two of us, we'll meet at each other's homes, and we spend at least an hour to hour and 15 minutes on our knees praying for our church, for our leaders, for our husbands, for our families, for individuals. And we've seen some really exciting things through this. It's been a blessing. And each of us know, whoever home it is, um, they have a Kleenex box there because we do a lot of crying, too. It's, um, we're sharing our burdens with each other. We're confessing during our prayer time. And, but yet it's also been a great um, release that there are some things, you know, that I want to change, that I don't like. And yet if I can pray with Lily, it's just like, all right, God, it's, it's yours now. And um, Lily allowed me to give this um, example that she said that for 40 years she's been a nail biter. And since we've been praying together, she does now have fingernails. And we'll show them to anyone who wants to see them. <laughs> but um, we have not missed except for over Christmas or whatever. And we're meeting together today at 3 o'clock at um, the East Dining Hall. And anyone who would like to join us for a little time of prayer, we would be happy to have you with us. Thank you, Carol. Our time is really running out. We've got maybe just enough time for her, and we don't want to squeeze your time. But there are so many things. And, and again, the things that, that, that Carol has been involved in sound a little more complicated maybe than what you're ready to, to do. But let me tell you, the list that's up here can be done individually. For example, there's a phone ministry up there. We have a brother back in our home church who he takes out the church directory maybe two or three times a week, and he decides... Oh, today I'll call this person. Just want to talk to them, share a few things, talk to them. And, and two or three times a week, he'll take that directory and just call people and talk to them. Because we live in a big city and we don't often get together with each other. But you know, that, that is such a, 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 again, a ministry that we can do. Um, there was one that I came across and I thought, this is something I'd like to throw out for people to, maybe a challenge that you could do within someone in, in, in some of the churches. I was looking uh, for information on parenting when I was doing the parenting forum, and I came across this uh, website, and it was called GEMS, 
godly encouragement for moms. And it was a site where you could write in any concerns that you had and share them with people, and they would respond. And I thought, wow, what a neat thing. Why don't we have someone in our church who, there are a lot of moms who, are, who have difficulties and problems and things that they would like to share with other people, and it would be so easy to do it on an email. So that's a challenge for someone to pick it up and, and, and take it on. Um, Herta is involved in education, and so her, her talents and her ministry is more in that line. I was asked to speak about the workplace. I believe that God has placed me in my job and therefore he's going to supply and he does supply the opportunities to minister and they change on a daily basis. I work in a school in a grade two class as an EA or an educational assistant and I help, I'm assigned to one particular student but I help anyone that needs help in the class and I also help other teachers in the school with their work and uh, other kids. Um, in grade two, kids are just starting to take off with reading. And then the first example is Emily. Uh, they're moving on from picture books to chapter books. And one morning, Emily comes into the class, and she doesn't need a whole lot of my help. And uh, she shows me her new little book. And uh, when she saw my reaction to the book that she brought, and Emily doesn't go to Sunday school. Public school is a very dry, spiritual place. And so... I feel my ministry is to point the kids in the right way. And I said, oh, that is the, the most wonderful book. That's my favorite book in all the world. And it's, uh, it tells us about God and how to get to heaven. And it's definitely nonfiction. And she was so pleased that instead of putting it back in her desk, she left it on her desk. And I told her that I read it every day. Well, the next day I made sure that I brought my little Gideon Bible to school and placed it on my desk. And it's been there ever since to make sure that if the things that I do in the relationship that I have with the kids, they can link me with that Gideon Bible, which they will have a chance to receive when they re get to grade five. I don't know if they do that in the States, but in Canada, the Gideons come to school and they um, give the Bibles to the kids in grade five. Um, another example is uh, I have recess duty, and um, we had a very cold fall and winter, and uh, early in December, a teacher pointed out a student in the playground and said, uh, that boy over there, he hasn't had a coat on, you know, this year yet. And I said, oh, really? And I went over to him and I, I asked him and uh, I said, let's go to the Lost and Found, we'll put something on. And so uh, on our way, I said, I guess mommy hasn't had time to buy you a coat yet. And he said, no, mommy and daddy had a fight and she doesn't live with us anymore. And uh, I made, well, I asked the teacher, or I asked him, does your teacher know? And he said, yes, and she said to try to stay in the sun. Well, it was like, I guess, about 30 degrees or less mm -hmm. outside. Anyway, so his teacher was aware. I, I told the principal about it, and she said, yes, we'll bring it up at the staff meeting tonight. Well, two days later, the boy still didn't have a coat, and I was still taking him to the lost and found to put something else on. And then... I felt that maybe this was up to me. Um, I got him a coat, hat and mittens, and then upon inquiring more, I found out that he had three siblings. And they also, like one had a windbreaker and uh, were not suitably dressed. So uh, that night, and I believe this is also the Lord working on our local news channel, they talked about a bundle-up program that the Salvation Army was offering to any children that needed um, outer wear. And so uh, the next day I asked the principal, could I contact this agency and, uh, you know, 
equip these kids with this and she said go ahead so uh, discreetly I took the kids one at a time from their different classes measured them and then went down to this agency and was able to um, get the clothes that they needed um, another example is our school has a, a mothers who care group it's a Christian group of moms that meets once a week and they pray for our school for any concerns, any prayer requests, and then just general petitions too. And then uh, this past year, I was asked to be the liaison between this group and to, if there's any uh, issues or anything in the school, if I could contact the moms and let them know. And uh, in order to do this, I have to have a relationship with the staff members and know about the issues in their lives and their relationships. And uh, sometimes when they share things with me, I would ask them, do you mind if I let the mothers who care know about this and they said sure go ahead or it can't hurt and then um, one example of this prayer group and the impact that they have at our school last year I was in a particularly unruly class and uh, it was becoming a high-risk situation the teacher was losing control of the kids as the year progressed and um, this one particular morning the principal was going to come in and observe the class and uh, so I asked for prayer. I was praying. Well, the class was so calm that morning. It was just unbelievable. It was like the calm in a storm. And then the teacher even commented at noontime and said, my goodness, what did I do right today? The class was so calm. And I said, Judy, that was prayer. And then she just chuckled a little. And I told her that people were praying. Um, another example that I can uh, help out at school is sometimes the teachers... Uh, they don't have, they're very short on time and then the different seasons come along like Halloween and some of the teachers are churchgoers and they would like some other material. Well, I do have resources at home that I use for Sunday school and VBS and then uh, at Halloween time she says, oh, I, this one teacher said, I'd like to read something else besides uh, the ghoulish stories that they have and I said, oh, I have something that might be very suitable, the parable of the pumpkin patch. And... Uh, so she took that and she really liked that reading. And then another time, uh, another teacher in the staff room said, uh, does anybody have a Christmas story? She'd like to read the real Christmas story. And then I picked up on that and said, I'll take care of it. I'll find that book for you. If not in the library, then I'll bring one from home. Um, the other thing that I want to, uh, another ministry that I am involved with, other than school, is uh, having worked alongside with Marg in a small way in uh, the curriculum for the camp lessons for the primary division, I've learned that one thing at school, to get a C, you meet the goal satisfactorily, but to get an A, you have to go above and beyond. And that's one thing I've learned from working with a team, that to strive. And I think as Christians, we need to strive for A's. And uh, I figured, well, I've never done this before, but God equipped me, and I believe God enables us, if we're willing and humble, to put together something that sort of is customized to your church. We used to, use, we used to buy our BBS lessons, and then other times we would get them from other churches. But this, this particular last year, we put it together on our own, and I think we were extremely blessed from that and um, really made an impact on the kids, and some of our neighborhood kids kept coming and uh, are still coming. Okay, and this is uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. This is the one we did last year. And uh, it's basically assembling. There's a lot of resources out there, and you just need to 
ask and shop and look around even the internet there's a lot of things that you can just put it together as an effective tool and, uh, I know that God does and will continue to use whomever to either point the way or meet a need as long as we look for those opportunities that he provides Thank you, Herta. That's so true. And, and that's all we need to do is be motivated. And we hope that this forum motivated you. We've only scratched the surface. We could stay for another three hours. And it's not a brag time. It's a share time. And I, I didn't even get to touch on any, or many of those things. And if there's one that you question or you want to know a little bit more about, see me later or see someone here. Uh, we promised that we'd give you a little bit of time for interaction. I'm not sure if we have it. We've come to the end. Before I do open it up, if there's anything or if anybody wants to stay behind for comments or whatever, I just have a little poem that I want to share with you. It's called, What Did You Do? What did you do with your day? Have you made someone happy or made someone sad? God gave it to, do, to you to do just as you would. Did you do what was wicked or do what was good? Did you lighten the load or some progress impede? Did you look for a rose or just gather a weed? Did you hand out a smile or just give him a frown? Did you lift someone up or push someone down? What did you do with your beautiful day? God gave it to you. Did you throw it away? Something for you to, thought, to ponder. And I'd like to hear from your ministries within the next little while. If you've got something, let us know. Share it with others. We can pass it on and maybe we can really get a revival going. And oftentimes, uh, just recently in our local ch uh, newspaper, there was a little write-up about a um, stained glass window that had been finally purchased for a church and it was dedicated. And the, the quotation on the window was, and the women provided. And I thought that was really appropriate because they had said that their church would not be around if it wasn't for the women who kept it going when funds weren't there, when things weren't going so well. And really, ladies and girls, it's, it's often it's the women who are in the background doing those things to keep things going so let's not give up we get discouraged often but let's get out there and get doing thank you for attending if there's anything that you'd like to share come and do so with us